Welcome, bite to big content. My name is Nick Ercolano. I run Big Dogs Got to Eat (BDGE). I want you to introduce me. That's Jack Settleman. Not sure what he does, but he comes here every Wednesday to film big content with me. <laughs> What's going on? It's two days after Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'm back to not being thankful for nothing. Nothing. Nah. Okay. All right. Well, we're starting this one off with ESPN <laughs> Bet. In last week's episode, you did a solo episode where you talked about the best way to get a partnership with Underdog Fantasy, the steps you would go about it. So we have a question here. With ESPN Bet launching, how do creators approach reaching out or getting a partnership deal with them? Well, I think this is particularly important, ESPN Bet, is... The, the industry itself is pretty saturated right now, like DraftKings, FanDuel. You can get a promo code with Underdog, but everybody's already on those platforms. Mm -hmm. So right now, it feels like if you can become a partner with ESPN Bet, there's a good chance that you can capture a decent amount of new players onto the platform and make uh, a lot of money off of it. So I think it's important, especially as our audience is very like sports-centric and sports-focused, that we kind of talk about this process. Um I don't actually personally have an ESPN bet promo code right now, and I don't know if you guys do either. So originally, my, my experience so far with it is this. There was a kid that reached out to me on LinkedIn like a month or two ago, and he worked for, on his profile, it said like Penn slash, Penn slash Barstool. So I wasn't sure which company he actually worked for. It turned out he worked for Penn, which means now he's working with like ESPN bet. And so about three or four weeks ago, um, he was like, yeah, I love your guys' content. I think he listened to the big content as well as some of the fantasy stuff. And he was like, when we launch ESPN bet, like we should figure out a way to like partner. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. That'd be, that'd be cool. We don't have an actual sports book partnership. And then he was like, Oh, we don't have budget. We don't, we don't know where we're going with budget right now. So we're going to like circle back when it launches, obviously launched. And now I hear some of the podcasts in the space that have like promo codes mm -hmm. with ESPN bet. And I've reached back out to him, but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't got a response yet. So now I'm sitting here like, okay, this is something I should probably pursue just given the opportunity that's there because I do think it could be a nice moneymaker. I think sports books tend to have more marketing dollars typically behind first-time depositor type stuff. And especially an ESPN-backed company, they're going to have money to give out. So it's easy for me to sit there and talk about, hey, here's how you get an underdog promo code because I know so many people that work there personally – from someone that's worked with like big companies, big mm -hmm. media companies, smaller media companies, you know, on underdog, they're not that small anymore. If you wanted to go get an ESPN bet promo code, one, have you thought about that? Are you planning on trying to get one? Or well, we're, we're exclusive fully with underdog as a sportsbook. Okay, okay, fantasy. Yeah. What advice would you give to me on the flip side if I wanted to go get an ESPN bet promo code if I didn't have any sort of connections at ESPN? Yeah. In like 15 seconds, if you want the full details on how to get an underdog code go back to the last video we might even be able to put it like right here in the video but give, give like 15 seconds of how you would do it in the quickest steps possible for underdog because i want to set the differentiation sure so for underdog what i would normally do is treat the company as just individual human beings so i would go onto twitter linkedin type in underdog fantasy therefore the people that have underdog fantasy in their profile mm -hmm. would normally be the ones that work there reach out to them with a personalized direct message of here's who I am. Here's what I could do for you guys. Can you put me in touch with someone to talk to your affiliate marketing program or your, you know, just your marketing people, whatever. And, um, and normally those people, because they're not overloaded with a thousand people doing that where ESPN bet might, yeah. um, they'll get you in 
touch with the right people in the company and then you can kind of talk about whether or not you're a good fit cool I think. so i think the big differentiation in these two is depending on your size obviously anyone can theoretically get a promo code from underdog not anyone but even smaller creators who are maybe only going to bring a few people to the platform maybe it's just their friends but you know 20 more people underdog's cool with that and and they'll pay you for that I think with ESPN Bet, you're looking at direct affiliate. So the podcasts that you're listening to are probably on an affiliate basis, meaning that they are not getting paid any guaranteed amount of money. And I'm not sure if they would just give a code to anyone. So like the ones I've seen are like Action Network, who you know has partnership with every sports book, or uh, what were some of the podcasts? We're, we're I think establish the run okay, with Evan right, Silva right, and Adam Levitan, that, yeah. maybe Fantasy Pros. I remember hearing right. it in two individual. So ones. It, so it's all those companies that are kind of like affiliates, not as much like partnerships. Sure, with and, and that's even what I'm talking about. Like yeah. I wouldn't expect to be a partner with okay. ESPN, and even with Underdog. Like when I was explaining it in the last video. It was like they'll give a promo code to anyone because there's no downside for them, right? Because like right. they're they're not giving any individual creator money up front that they haven't worked with before that hasn't proven then they can get, you know, thousands of signups for them already. So it's like, okay, we give you the code. If you don't get any signups, we don't pay you. It's similar to a lawyer who's like, I'll take you on as a client. You don't pay me unless we win, kind of thing. Whereas like ESPN, I would go into it with the mindset, I'm not negotiating for like a price up front. Yeah. I just know that the opportunity is so grand because nobody signed up for the the, yeah. the uh, sports book yet that we're going to crush it for the next six months and then if we want to revisit that like partnership hey you guys pay us up front to promote your thing mm -hmm. we could do that but because and it's so yeah. new that's where i would be i don't know it. if they're going to do partnerships outside of their pre-existing talent is is that's kind of the first thing that came to my mind okay. it's like the reason espn exists the reason that they paid pat mcafee and his buddies all that money is because that's now the talent for their sports book and i I'm not saying it'll never happen, but I think at least in the beginning, that's like the value prop behind the whole thing is they have the built-in audience and personalities to sure. go and promote the sports book. So how would I go about getting it? I An think affiliate it's, code. Yeah, I think it's the exact same thing as you said. It, okay. it might be more difficult because, you know, people haven't updated their Twitter bio to ESPN Bet because it just happened the last however many weeks. But LinkedIn makes sense. Uh, I actually know someone on LinkedIn who's running the affiliate program. So message me if you want. And, I and that was, I mean, realistically, that was the first thing I said in the video, too. It was like, go out, throw in underdog in LinkedIn or Twitter, yeah. but use your network, too. Like, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, then you probably have some sort of connection to me or jack whether in discord or on twitter or whatever yeah, just you can reach DM. out to us we could help you that way and this like you knowing the person who runs the affiliate mm -hmm. program not right i don't know if they've run it but literally sort of espn connection. bet affiliate marketing right so it's, it's, i'm going to talk to you about that afterwards yeah. so use your network be resourceful <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's pretty much it okay so nothing useful no the <laughs> i think that's that's uh you covered it all last week though the one useful thing would be before you just go and get ESPN bet, because you're saying, you know, everyone's on DraftKings and FanDuel, maybe there's not value there. The one piece of value would probably be finding out the market rate. So that's the one thing that there's no risk to an underdog or prize picks or to an ESPN bet. But 
they're less likely to, uh, or they're more likely to just give you a bad rate for your for your player. And I, I'll add one caveat with the sports betting stuff. I don't know the technical laws and, and what level you have to be, but sometimes you have to be licensed you have to, to be, be licensed. an affiliate. Yeah, and that actually could get a little bit tricky, so not every individual creator can get it. I also am not sure the, because when we first started working with Mojo, mm-hmm. that was the first, first like, legal sports book we ever did yeah. and we had to get a license in jersey, in jersey. Yeah. and we only had to do jersey obviously because they were only legally operating in jersey right. so espn bet they took pens licenses immediately or rebranded pens no, they're 17 there are some companies that will give like umbrella licenses so like the umbrella company is licensed in all those states and then you're kind of like a contractor of it they're obviously going to take a portion of your thing but it is much easier because when we got licensed in a state i think it probably cost me i don't know a couple thousand bucks so if you think you know we might only get x you know x dollars from espn bet it probably doesn't make sense yeah and i i feel like you only need to do that if you're working strictly on an affiliate basis yeah I don't know if you need to actually get licensed in the states. No, it's each state. It would be each. state. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was I'm only not for getting, sure, but I, I thought it was only for getting paid because, like Mojo, we had cash being paid up. Like you're uh, you're getting paid to promote the brand oh, regardless of yeah. affiliate uh, signups. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we should. We can just ask someone and, yeah, and find that. that. Out. And, and they'll know too. Like the other thing with sports books, when you get in touch with them, because I remember I got in touch with like Caesars right. at one point, and they're like, "Hey, let us know what states you have licenses for." So if you reach out to ESPN Bet yeah. and they don't ask you that, then they probably don't need them. But that will be yeah. one of the first questions that they ask you if, you or they don't know because they're brand new. That's fine. Okay. Then, that then it's the on case. them. <laughs> then it's on them. You know how how the law works. All right. Well, that's ESPN Bet. Hit us in the DMs if you would like to speak to them. So mm-hmm. next up is some thumbnails stuff so you lead this one. yeah so i want to get into into more of like the details of really being like a content creator because i think these are the things that matter it's easy to talk like high level about like oh, i'm making money but like in order to even get to the point where you're gonna make money there's so much of that like experiment grinding like fucking around kind of thing mm-hmm. that you need to really like get in the mud in order to do so so i wanted to highlight it, this creator goes by the name of Jay Thomas on Twitter. His bio says, helping you write better YouTube titles using psychology. And he writes one of my favorite newsletters every single week called Creator Hooks. And it is this really simple premise of highlighting five YouTube videos that went viral over the last week or two. And then breaking down each video succinctly within a paragraph and saying like why it worked. And here is the formula from that title that you can use in your industry And the reason I'm highlighting him is one, I think he does like great work and I think everybody should follow him that does YouTube stuff. But secondly, because he now launched a product uh, where he has like creator hooks is this newsletter, but now he has this membership site that's called creator hooks pro and his big like hook, the big thing he has now that he just launched to get people to sign up for it is this title generator tool. So you go on there and you type in like the subject of your video And then you can type in like the industry and then it rips you like 20 different title generations based on like all the titles that he's put into his database or whatever. And I think. Did you use it? I've used it before. Yeah. So I will say realistically, it's not much kind of bad timing for him. It's not that much better than like chat GBT going ass for alternative titles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Transparently not that much better, but I just wanted to highlight the like, He's probably doing really, really well. A lot of his audience probably doesn't know about ChatGPT, mm-hmm. whatever, using it. He did a great job of just, like, understanding the value. One, it's a super niche fucking, like, 
content stream that he has? Yes and no. Like niche in niche meaning it's very specific, not a small audience. Right. Like, okay, there are a lot of people that do like YouTube videos. Yeah. There are not a lot of people obsessed with like perfecting their title and thumbnail. You know what I mean? Maybe today, but but how many people do you think are on his newsletter? I have no idea. Like, what would you guess? I know it's tough with a newsletter stuff, but he could have 10,000, right? Yeah, he probably has over 10,000. Right? So if he gets 1,000 of those people, that could be an insane revenue drive. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. I'm saying, like, the the people that he's talking to, it's not a, I don't think it's a large, you look at, like, sports. If you do sports content, the fucking demographic for you is massive. Yeah. You do YouTube creators, it's very small. But there's, like, millions of YouTube creators, no? Uh, I wouldn't call most of them YouTube creators. Like people who just like put up videos are not like obsessed with making their titles and, and thumbnails like really well. Yeah. I don't think at least. It's early on YouTube. Sure. And, and the point I was getting at was like, he did such a good job of being like, this is my niche. This is my, uh, value that I'm giving to them. Here's how you make great titles. Right. And I'm giving you the expertise on it. And here is a product that directly fucking links to the value that I've given you. It's like people who love his product, people who sign up for his newsletter are like, I'm reading this to make improvements to my titles. Yeah. Now he's like, Here <laughs> here's is a, the tool. Yeah. Here's a product that now makes your titles easy. How much read. is it? Um, 20 something a month, I think. So you can get like an annual subscription. Yeah. Um, and, and again, like before like ChatGPT came around or whatever, this is something I would have probably just purchased and been like, this is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Don't know if I personally. And ChatGPT, I guess it is free. free. I pay for the premium. Okay. Yeah. I know like JL does, but yeah. he does, he has a lot of like coding value yeah, that yeah. comes from the. Yeah. I get no value out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I, I'm just highlighting like a creator that I think has done a really good job, like nailing his value niche, growing slowly, and then launching a product that is so directly valued or it's so directly linked to like the values giving off. Cause I think a lot of creators when they make products or, or try to start monetizing don't really understand the value that they're giving off and how to link it to a product or service. And I think he did such a good job of doing it. And it's pretty, it's an innovative concept. Like the title generator mm -hmm. had it not been for like the AI tools out there, you yeah. know? So like he probably worked with someone who's good with math, someone who's, um, a developer or something like that to, to make this stuff happen. To really nail it, I yeah. feel like he adds AI generation with his own customization. Yes. Like that's where you really get it. Does the YouTube titles that ChatGPT gives you, like how would you rate them one to 10? I've actually been using Google Bard a lot more. Google what? Bard. What it's is like, that? That's their version of ChatGPT. Oh, okay. They've been getting better. When I first started using them, I was like maybe like a 6.5, but good for yeah. like direction, inspiration, Especially if I'm like, oh, I, I thought of like a really cool title, but it's 80 characters. I'll put it in and give me like, give me 10 high engagement alternative titles to this yeah. with 55 characters or fewer. Yeah. And they'll spit like, back. When you plug it into creator hooks, is it, can you pick a format that he has? Like what? I don't think so. See, that's the biggest thing. That's what would take us to the next level is if he had a, he had like, a hundred formats that he's yeah. written in all his newsletters. He, he, and he was like, I like these four. You're allowed and to, here's the keyword. You're allowed to um, pick the direction that the title goes in. Yeah. So it's like, you can pick like beginner fear comedy, Got like it. something like okay. that. So you right, can, right, it, right. There is like yeah, capability to it. Okay. So I just think those, those things are really, really important. And like getting familiar with the tools out there that you have, like it, it you might think you have a good title, put it into chat GBT, see what 10 alternatives are, and it might spark a different direction for it as well. And it might spark something that you weren't thinking of. It might not give you the exact title, but maybe it combines 
And are you, you doing this before or after you create a thumbnail? Because one thing that we've been working on, so if you guys haven't listened before, we have a YouTube consultant. His name is Trent, and he's been helping us with packaging, which I didn't know what packaging was. It's just a combination of title and the thumbnail, but it's also the beginning of the video. So that's kind of like the full package, as I would describe it, or he would describe it. And what we've seen is like, we'll be like, oh, we actually really like this title, but we already have the thumbnail made. And it's like, it actually doesn't match the thumbnail. So what what steps are you taking? Are you normally thumbnail made first or title first? I think I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, title first. Yeah. I think I've moved into that direction. I think and I'm sure most is, people probably go thumb first. I think the title is more important than the thumbnail. I think both are like should be a perfect match. I agree. Is, but is really what they, they need to be a perfect match, but I think yeah. the title is I think the title can get people hooked in. Like there's not a there's not a world you could put a shitty thumbnail up but have yeah. a great title and get people to click. Yeah. I think if you put a good thumbnail up and your title is terrible, yeah, no yeah. one's gonna click. Agreed. And I guess from Punchline, which is our podcast that we do with Marlon Humphrey, our thumbs are kind of the same every week and it really That's is fine. Just, the title is what it's we'll the do title it. that but if you yeah, it. if you put just like you and Marlon talking and then like your title is like yeah. Week 12 recap, going to yeah. do worse than being like... Yeah. Uh, Derek Henry was almost a raven. Like, that yeah, was the one 100%. thing that we, we so, had. So, title, I think title is the avenue you should attack it from. And then start thinking of, like, creative ideas that go along with the title. Keep it simple. And, and that kind of goes into the next thread I have, which I want to bring up. Just it, it's, it's almost like a, like a four-tweet masterclass on thumbnails, <laughs> in my opinion, where the guy basically looks at a thumbnail. He's like, can you spot the mistakes in the thumbnail that make it less effective? So basically he's looking at this orange one, which we'll put on the screen. Yeah. And he says, uh, there's just too much to look at and read, removing word and logo, increasing the size of the subject to fill a frame. So having the person be like blown up is really, really important. And one thing that yeah. I, both of us have done that I think have made our thumbnails a million times better just as individual brands is we sat down one day and we got this big picture of like 40 different emotions and Turn your camera to you, put it on 4K, and then just sit there for like three, four minutes and make every expression into the camera. And at the end of it, you'll have a three to four minute video with your face making every expression. You'll be able to now go rewatch a video, screenshot each yeah. time you make an expression, throw it into remove background, throw it into Photoshop, whatever you use for it. And you'll be able to just have your face there, 4K, like really high quality. Now you can just throw those into thumbnails depending on the expression that you want to use in the thumbnail. One thing that I've adjusted is the company that had us do that video, which I think is a great concept to do. And it gives you a lot of choices is I hated like the overexpression ones. Mm -hmm. And I think Mr. Beast who, you know, they talk about the beastification of YouTube. He's even stopped doing like the big yeah. range of emotion stuff, but that doesn't mean it doesn't need to be like, if you're sad or mad about something, it doesn't mean like that you want to kill someone, but like, you know, furrow your brow yeah. or like be a little upset. Yeah. I mean, the one that we use was, was basic. It was just emotions. But then like we would, what we had the team do internally yeah. was as soon as they did those 30 base emotions, it was like, okay, let's look around our industry and see what different people, like we went to like the fantasy footballers yeah, page yeah. and we're like, oh, they have ones where they're like pointing both ways. Mm -hmm. It's just good to have that portfolio depending on what you're doing. And also you could make, you could do new ones based on whatever thumbnail. Like once you think of the title, then you're starting to think of creative thumbnail yeah. ideas. We did one for 
one of the vlogs that we just did where it was like J-Mo's leaving for the weekend or whatever. So we had him like, we took pictures of him like packing his bags yeah. and then we needed me looking that way, like sad at him. So we went out to the hallway and took like 40 pictures of me, like looking in that direction with different like facial expressions. So packaging, super fucking important. Yeah. You can't go too far to make it correct, I think. And I think that that's where it starts off. I do think like a face or a person should be in virtually every um in every thumbnail i don't think it needs to be you necessarily like us we do a lot of fantasy football stuff so we could have a player being big but that should be yeah. the subject of it and that was step number one was like make that person the subject make them really 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 big and then the next step was the background was flat they just had like a pure mm. orange background so he was like put a little and this is something i talk about like texture behind it right like even just a quick fade from like dark green to light green to white makes it look a lot more poppy and you and, and it's something so simple you just put a little like gradient over it or find a background from google or whatever you could type in on google youtube thumbnail background and have a million different ones to choose from make sure it makes sense though like as you can see in the one on the screen like where the white fades in is behind the person mm -hmm. right like don't put a random like white fade in in the corner of them doesn't doesn't really make sense what i always say is like less is more on the thumbnails step three too many words in wrong font like i think repeating the words from the title to the thumbnail is a huge mistake. Yeah, never do that. Yeah, like never copy a phrase, like a full phrase. I think you can copy like a word or two, maybe, but but a full phrase onto the thumbnail, I think is is really really bad practice. And because it's you're stressful. Leaving. It's stressful. I'm not gonna lie, because on punchline we'll do like we so we do the main pod and then we clip, and Casey's in charge of of you know that process and getting the thumbs done. And on the thumbnail we have a phrase, mm -hmm. and so it could be like. We thought we were going to die, which is a huge phrase. So we almost want to put that in the title, but that's what goes on the thumbnail. And then the title describes kind of what the clip's about. Yeah. So yeah, th that that's where like the real magic happens is I, I like actually one thing that I've, I've used a lot. And I use a lot over the summer was like a, a quote. Yeah. That's really important. So it like that hooks people on and it could be a three or four word quote. Like they changed the entire title on the thumbnail to this phrase that just said, it's like cheating. So now you're like, how does it tell a story? How do you say right. it's like cheating? It's like, what's like cheating? So it makes you go down to the title. Right. And if the if the title is well written, it's which, like, boom. Yeah, which is about interview tips. Yeah, right? so it's and like so the thumbnail. If you, got a, if you got a tip on how to cheat through an interview that wasn't actually cheating, like that could be valuable. Now I'm clicking it. Yeah, it's like cheating. Five almost guaranteed ways to land your dream job. And I think we probably could have made that title a little bit Better, but just like the point of it was how smoothly it transitioned yeah. from a clean, simple thumbnail with like good spacing, not a whole lot going on, but you're super intrigued by it. So a lot of times with design, in my opinion, less is more. And again, like one of the best things that you could do is get high quality photos or images of yourself. I, I will say, you know, I'm supposed to have a discussion with the new creator this weekend. And when I was talking to their friend, they were like, I, I said back to them, I'm like, yeah, because they asked, do you have a playbook? Like, do you have something written down? And I'm like, no, but I could put something together. And I was like, you for know, thumbnails for no, for for creating content. <laughs> and I was like, OK, what platform? What, you know, is it about the content or is it just about posting? So I need to know about thumbnails or hashtags or all this different stuff. And I was like, well, first off is this going to overwhelm the creator so much that they're not going to want to 
even get started in the first place, which I think is 100% a thing. Because when you talk about the importance of just the texture, someone at home's like, well, I can use remove background and get my face on there, but I don't know how to do texture. And then I got to get the title right. And then I got to do this. So I will say we've been creating content for years and years and years. We're kind of giving you a, a guide to skip all of that stuff. But that doesn't mean you need to be here on day one and you're only going to get there from repetition. Like 100%. you've now created how many YouTube thumbnails in your life? Thousands, Thousands right? At this point, and yeah. you're still getting better to this day. And I so. still have ones that I fire off that I'm like, these suck. You know, sometimes <laughs> yeah. I just don't have it. But like when yeah. I get into a creative state, I'm like, oh, these are like fun to make. And yeah. I'm thinking about different. Sometimes I just, I'll just, I'll just be making thumbnails for videos I did like three months ago. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to put this up. But like, yeah. I want to see what I could do. You yeah. know, it's like once you kind of get in your bag with it a little bit, you start to learn these different little tricks and, and you experiment and, and you go look at ones that work really well and you follow people that give advice on it. There's so many people that do like, that's such specific advice. Yeah. Like for just like, being better at thumbnails. And the more you do it, like you said, the better you get at it. Yeah. So I did want to transition that into your new YouTube channel. Yeah. So you decided to cut down. I think it's just so fucking important. Like I'm excited about this segment right now. You decided to stop posting on the channel that had over 600,000 subs, start it back up from scratch so that you could build an audience that is dedicated and focused on just the new content. Yeah. So when you post some things like these new, these subscribers are already like, I know exactly what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. There's a reason I subscribe to this. You've posted three videos. This most previous one that you posted two days ago already has one. It's like long form. So you're putting out like higher quality, longer form videos yep. has when I looked at this morning, like s over 6,000 views, mm -hmm. which would that be, would that be your long, your, your most viewed long form video? Yeah. So not just on that channel, but I mean like in, well, in recent, like, so on punchline, we've exceeded that, which is, I meant like, yeah, yeah which is, like which blocks. is why if once again, you're new, I deleted our 600,000 subscriber channel, right? was because I saw that if you started a channel from scratch and all the content matched the theme of the channel, the type of the channel, the old channel, for those who don't know, was, it was a mix of like my sports takes. And then we grew off shorts that were unrelated to the channel. And then we were doing long form. And essentially I felt like the YouTube algorithm didn't know where to send our content to what people and half the audience was not even us, which I knew from punchline that that's where our audience needed to be. Anyways, fast forward to today. And yes, we, we literally have footage of like winning the Kentucky Derby and that video with promotion from outside from all our pre-existing platforms where we have a ton of following that video got like 2.2 K. And so the first video we did got 2.3 K on this new channel. And, and here were the different levers. Number one, um, we put it out after an hour, it had zero views. So, I was like, from my personal stuff, so not using the full snapback audience, but just my personal stuff, I was like, if you'll watch this full video, like, this is for you, go watch. So we kind so of- I saw it on your Instagram stories, like, don't watch if you're not going to watch the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, no, that's how like, I'll promote every Jack, video there's, from there's now There's still time on. to delete this. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how I'll promote every video, because I don't want people watching, because we do have fans who will just watch the support, sure. and they'll watch, and it's like- Sure, you'll watch the first one and subscribe, but then two, three, four, five, you're actually messing up our yeah. click-through rate. Sure. Um, so I did it in kind of like a like a rude way, but I think it it set the point to people. 
Anyways. If I didn't know you, I'd be like, fuck this guy. <laughs> I'm clicking and clicking off. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then it got boosted to like a couple hundred views. And then we let the algorithm do its thing. And, and then it hit like two random spikes over the next two days. And then we pushed it from our stuff. So I would say like 1,500 probably organic and then 800 from our pre-existing audience. Then video two... What was video two? We went to the game. So I think we probably, it was, we had more views off the start because we built up a subscriber base of like a couple hundred subscribers or like 500 subscribers. And then that video probably did 100 organic and then it hit, hit and got to like a thousand. Then maybe we got like 300 more from our audience. This last video we posted on, was it? Yeah, Wednesday night. So right before Thanksgiving. And it was doing worse than those th- than the first two, and then the second day, we uh, so then we went to sleep on Thursday, and then went to sleep on Thursday night. But had I not gone to sleep early on Thanksgiving, I would have seen at around like eleven o'clock it started to get going, and then it and this was zero promotion on any other platform. Fully algorithm, and yeah, it's at like 7,000 views so far. Um, For the third video on a clean channel, like 7,000 views is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to promote, because I've been talking about it so much, I want to promote. That's got to feel so fucking good. I want to promote this, and I also want to get our audience in, because I think at this point, like now the views per hour are down to like 30 or 40. So I think like the algorithms decided, all right, this is where we're sending it to for now, for now. It has evergreen potential because it wasn't really related to a game, but I want to promote it and almost see like, because we do need to pull that lever and actually use our pre-existing audience. And maybe the algorithm's like, oh, it did get another influx of people. Like, let's send it out again, see what happens. Anyways, um, yeah, 7,000 views on video three. So the biggest takeaway for me here is like, and, and this is something I've been coming more and more around to over the last like year and a half or so, especially since we started this podcast, yeah. is the idea that like almost everything should be separated mm. in social. As much as you can and as much as you feel like at least comfortable with, the more you separate things out, I think the better that they're, gonna do long term and it almost like even this podcast right like when i originally started this channel it wasn't called big content yeah it was prior to like when you and i got linked up to to do this together it was a channel i was gonna launch for me personally Mm -hmm. to help you know found or creators or whatever you know become full-time creators and we and when i announced it the twitter video i put out got like fifty thousand views on it and we got a thousand subs on the channel just from that alone right and then we didn't, I didn't put out content for a while because I got caught up with like office shit. But once we started, my thought was like, man, maybe we should have just like started from a clean channel mm-hmm. rather than what people who subscribed expected it to be. Um, and then even going further than that, even like the Q and A that I put out on this channel, I was like, it definitely the same audience. Mm-hmm. But part of me was like, do I just start a personal channel for these Q and A's? Cause it's not exactly like what those people came into, you know, that, that's how yeah. my mind is working. Yeah. Now yeah. Because it, it's like 5149, but it's yeah. leaning more towards I, like I separate. Think, I think this chant, I would keep this, like if I were giving advice and I just went through it and I think in our gut, we knew we should start a new channel, but it was a, like, it was a huge risk versus this. You could make an argument like, oh, well, we could probably move a large majority of the audience yeah. over, but I do think it's such a match and it's still you on the channel. Like if yeah. someone else was doing business content and there was a new face maybe, but I think here and even the solo Q and A's, like, I think that's the vibe of the channel. Yeah. And so 
it's it just yeah. got my mind thinking. But like, what about for your trivia stuff where you put the vlogs? Like the overlap there was just like the trivias themselves almost feel like um, if you watch them on YouTube, it yeah. feels like you're in the room with us, mm -hmm. and it feels like you're kind of just like hanging out on the couch with us. So it felt like the vibe was kind of um, similar. But even on that, like yeah. I, I, there's two pieces of content that we put out on the trivia channel that are not trivia that are the worst performing pieces of content. Right. They still perform well just because the floor for that channel mm -hmm. is so high, but we do this like Sunday slip thing together. It's like a competition, but it's not trivia. It's like us picking games and spreads for yeah. the week and then the vlogs. They do well because the audience kind of likes everything that we put out, but there's definitely parts of me that are like, we probably should just stick to <laughs> just fucking trivia for yeah. this channel because... YouTube knows what that is and YouTube knows exactly who wants it. And those people fucking love that stuff. I think in the future, yeah. YouTube's got to create like an umbrella um, and, and for a brand like yourself yeah. and whether it's separate channels that's a, that's or, a cool idea. or it's like just subscribing to a playlist. Like no one actually does it, but actually making sure that like... You know, I subscribe to BGE, but I love the trivia content. And, like, maybe you're shown some of the other content from yeah. time to time, but you shouldn't be forced to, like, put it on that channel. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I just think, like, overall, if you're a creator, because I get the question a lot. Like, it's like, oh, I have these two interests. Like, yeah. should I should I start both of them? Should I put them both on the same channel? Does it matter? If you asked me 10, five years ago, whatever, I would have been like, it doesn't just put out shit yeah. that you want to put out. Now I'm like, no, now I would separate. it could be frustrating because you're going to, you're going to waste a lot of time. You're going to spend a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy. Like you guys did on your channel. Yeah. Like you, I'm sure you wish now that you had just started from the beginning, but it, you can't learn that unless you do it. No, no, no. The funny thing is I don't because it got us and it, I'm not being like, you know, everything happens for a reason. Like praise it God. Feel that way, though. Uh, no, it, I actually am happy that we didn't because the content that we would have started with was not, was not good. And the packaging was not right now. So what we were doing originally for snapback Thursdays, where we go to every Thursday in football game was like showcasing our experience. And now our stuff is more like, idea centric so this marlin video right originally we would have just been like this is what the tailgates like here's a food review at mt bank stadium and like here's how crazy the fans are this video we we're like nfl player takes over our life for 48 hours uh this next video it would have been impossible to make a good video around jets you know tim tim boyle and and the dolphins but this next video is like in real life bingo where we're just crossing off like a bunch of different things and i'm really flexing the muscle of like i don't want to be like a youtube star and do all like these gimmicky things how do we still make it about that and and we're Ha constantly coming up with concepts that do that so like finding like ex-jets players that are like ladanian tomlinson or ryan fitzpatrick like stuff you would see at a game that's still going to showcase like what it's like to go to the game but now they're actually conceptualized so um i don't yeah i actually think if we had started the channel originally also out of football season and we were jumping from like baseball to nascar to basketball i i i think it probably is for the best and we're okay, so place. now though like, are you planning on continuing to go more narrow and more narrow? Like, once football season is done... No, we're going to try and, and uh, keep that open. Because I don't want to just be a football channel. Now, there is a possible argument that it could be like, well, should it be snapback football, snapback basketball? But I think what we're going to try and really do is just make it about 
the content that we're creating and less so attracting like a sport, uh, a football. So people are like just excited to watch it rather than being like, exactly. I need you to go to a sport that I actually enjoy. So it's like the ideas within the content itself. Yeah. Yeah. Because even this last video, like while it was an NFL player controlling our life, it could have been an NBA player controlling our life. Like the only football thing we did was like we, some of the challenges were like buy a Jersey. You could do that anywhere. Like, do a tailgate you can pretty much do that anywhere like win the game you can do that any game obviously so there wasn't really like a ton of football centric stuff but yeah it's it's another good question of like are we gonna have to go down a different route and and we might see that for sure like jesser right he'll he's basketball creator when he goes to football it's still successful it might be less successful and then disarm who who i'm really hot on right now i think his content's awesome He's a baseball guy, but in his content, he does a really good job of, like, he went to, I'm trying to think if he went to, like, a basketball or a football. I think he did a bunch of football games, and it was, like, comparing, like, what makes a football game good versus, like, what he likes about baseball games. So he's still tying in that baseball audience and making it interesting. And I think to sustain as a creator overall, the biggest thing is you can't, get locked into that which is like you should start there but you have to think about how can i expand outside of that or you get trapped and then content gets old and and you know people walk by you in the industry so i will say to one thing you said that was like oh we weren't we wouldn't have been if we started the packaging wasn't right all this kind of wasn't right realistically if i ask you the same question in like two years you probably would say that about yeah, the content yeah, that you we started will. now. We know? will. Yeah. So it's so it's almost like I don't want people to get discouraged to be like, yeah. oh I'm not ready for it. Like you do if you don't have the learning experience and like the years put in already, you do just have to jump in yeah. and learn that shit up front. But I do think there is real cadence YouTube specifically for sure to make sure that you are staying within like your niche because your audience comes for that. Whereas other platforms like the TikToks or whatever, it's way more interesting. You still need it though. You still, you still need, need some it. continuity, but yeah. like you can put out random things that all like kind of pop off and build an audience that way. If you're a personality, but if sure. you're if you're like a fantasy football person, you start yeah. posting other stuff like yeah, that no, isn't no, no. adjacent, you're done. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's the best way to build like it, it's the best way to have a, a, a real roadmap, I think, yeah. because you know exactly what you can offer your audience. Like if you start building an audience through seven different subjects or topics or passions or whatever it's like if you try to sell things monetize things work with a sponsor whatever like you don't really know what you're going to get it could be it could work but most of the time it probably won't work because you don't actually know who you're speaking to 100 percent. all right well uh yeah we're moving to la because we're youtubers now um promise (laughs) next up is a tweet that i sent out and so so casey showed me a uh, very short clip, or maybe I, I was just overheard him listening to it. It was essentially Big Cat and Dave Portnoy from Barstool talking about Barstool sponsoring a college basketball game or a set of two. Apparently, they got a lot of backlash because they're screaming about the bets they have, which is their brand. But mm-hmm. people are like, it was the only way to watch the game. So I get that. It wasn't an alternate broadcast. But their takeaway was essentially them saying, um, we'll never do this again because it took us you know it's eight hours of of personalities time and like our hourly time is worth a lot uh we don't make money on it it stresses out like all our business people and on top of that it's like people are just mad at us anyways for it (laughs) like we'll never do this again and i like it was was uh listening to it and in three hours we were about to throw a 250 person tailgate at the ravens game much smaller uh obviously in scale but 
just as hectic. Like we spent the entire week physically driving to the liquor store, buying the beer, getting the food ready. Like it took 10 people and we made negative dollars on it as well. And I, I walked away from it. Like I could not have disagreed more. And the biggest thing was he said, we'll never do it again. Um, and I wrote in the tweet, which we'll have on the screen here that like, uh, is it the best uses of resources right now? Because they're trying to fix like profitability. They went from public company now to self-funded. Sure. Like if you want to say right now, it makes no sense. I get that. I hear that you're trying to cut costs, but to say that like that isn't so big for your brand, that that isn't so big for your community. Like what Barstool is, in my opinion, is for the people and I don't know. It just, it inspired me when they first came out that they were going to sponsor a bowl game. I literally went from, okay, I, I think Barstool is great. I have a lot of respect for them to holy shit. They just changed the game. Like I would have never thought 10 years ago that this tiny media company could sponsor a bowl game. Like for whatever reason, it was a basketball game that they, this was, but years ago they were going to sponsor the Arizona and then COVID happened. And, and I don't think it, well, don't you, don't you think like, this instance where they're like, we'll never do it again is more of just this one-off of like, we had a terrible experience doing this basketball game. They do a ton of live events. Yes. They so were I saying think they have the same they, energy that you do towards them, but they were saying we'll never sponsor like a game again was, was the vibe that I was getting. Mm. Uh, they're obviously going to continue doing live events and maybe they're saying we'll only do live events that are profitable to us because I'm sure they do a lot of that. I just think it's. I can't it's, imagine that though, because I, I, I bet like a bunch of the early ones that they did live events, they've obviously gotten way better at it, but yeah. they probably weren't they making probably, money right. that's, off of it. That's why this was so shocking to me. And it felt reactionary, and they were probably just like pissed because of all yeah. that. But I just wanted to call that out because of like, I think what that means in the market is just so important. On live events, I'll just talk about that. I also yeah. feel like, like you've done a number of live events now, we have as well. It takes it, it, you have to do like five live events before you even think about being profitable. At it. You have to be oh, you have yeah. to be so bad at it and lose a lot of money and learn so many things before you're like, whoa, we might actually make money on this one. Yeah. And usually, once you have that thought, you don't make money on that one. There's like two or three more, <laughs> yeah. and then you might make money. I'm on trying it. to think if we've even done a live event that made money. The only reason that we even like came close to breaking even on this one was because I pretty much uh, didn't. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to say this publicly, but like we didn't pay for security. We had my uncles cooking food like oh. like. But that's how you got to do it, though, when you're starting off. You do. You yeah. do. But to be. But then again, like there's event companies that make serious money. And, and I've talked to them like a medium rare, for example, that will throw like Gronk speech and stuff like yeah. that. The majority of their money is actually from sponsorship. Yeah. And so like you got you need an entire team selling sponsors into the event to even begin to make money like Barstool's uh, or like Dave's um, sure. Pizza Fest. But I mean, that, yeah, that's the difference. And, and that's like where I think a lot of the charm for these things um, come from. It, it's like, yeah, you can get a professional organization. It's like we could pay to get a DJ and maybe the party's better, but also like my homie has a good playlist. Yeah. You know, like yeah. That, those are the differences between the live events. I think yeah. that like money goes into it. It's really like knowing your audience, I guess. But yeah. the next one was from Tom Grossy comedy. He quote tweets the NFL. So the NFL put out a post, catch your favorite creators all season long in the NFL YouTube channel for behind the scenes moments and exclusive access. So essentially the NFL let a bunch of YouTube creators, mostly I want to say shorts creators, but you know, a lot of long form too. 
like go to the game of the week and what that would look like. They get like a minute video that becomes a short and, you know, it's their experience and they get like sideline passes. Maybe they get to meet up with a, a player, whatever it might be. And so Tom wrote absolutely no disrespect for these creators, which I appreciate him writing that because I think people take that personally. This is where the disconnect is. There's so many talented, smaller creators who, whose content focuses on the NFL or a specific team. This is the kind of platform that would be perfect to showcase them. I don't know if I agree, and I'm probably in Tom's boat, and I was not selected by the NFL. There's a lot of NFL creators. For, for one... The NFL has essentially captured those creators and their audience. So it makes more sense to go outside and grow the game, right? And and grow the league and put more attention to it. Right? So they, they had... So some of the creators that they had were just like... Not, not... Fashion or food or... Right? So like they're, you know, they, they're attached to the game in some fashion, but they're not like NFL football creators, right? Yeah. I think the original tweet, I don't know the guy that tweeted it yeah. out. It's also not the NFL's job, like, to showcase smaller creators. That was going to be kind of my second part is, like, you're a smaller creator. It, it's like, what is the give and take here, right? Should they be putting you on and then you create better content, which is great for your audience? Or these people have 2 million followers, so they're going to opt to that person. And I, while I think it would be great if they did embrace those smaller creators, I just don't at the end of the day, like I've been in situations where the decision was made because like someone else just had more followers and it was going to bring more. Yeah. To this feels like it wasn't, I don't think the person's intent was to like virtue signal and like put things out there for like clickbait. Yeah. This is like a level of virtue signaling. It kind of feels like where it's like, Oh, you should be doing this for like the younger creators and like, let's grow the game. It's like, you don't probably really care. He probably just wants to be included. Yeah. But I, but I'm only bringing this up because I've been in the spot where I'm like, this person makes no sense. Like, why is this person getting this yeah. opportunity? Like, like you don't know, you don't know the conversations of the NFL people. Like, you know what I mean? Like the like, people like that chose those people. We've talked, we talked about months back, but like when they did the Sunday ticket announcement launch, mm -hmm. like I knew creators they were working with that weren't going to drive a single sale. Right. So, you know, it's a hundred different creators. They're trying to scramble and they're like, Oh, this person has 2 million followers versus like this person is a hundred thousand. But yeah, I, this is part of it. That, that to me, that, that screams a lack of like understanding from anything but your own point of view. Like yeah. I'll give you an example. Right. Working with like underdog, right? Mm -hmm. There are times when I see them work with big celebrities or, or NFL players yeah. or athletes or whoever it is. And I know in my head, I'm like, this person's not going to drive a single sign up yes. to them. I've never ran a business of 200 people that has spent a marketing budget of whatever. 10, I have no yeah, idea what the marketing budget is. Yeah. This big. Getting to scale is bigger than just continuously paying a YouTuber that has 100,000 subscribers. Branding is different. Right? Right. You can't measure that all the time. And that comes that came from like my first mindset was like, this is dumb. Like I don't know why. Why, why not just like double what you're paying Me us? And find an, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then as you start to understand things that you've never seen before or look at angles that you've never yeah. seen before and people tell you and teach you about these things, you start to realize like, oh, this is what they were thinking. I didn't know that because I'm not in the room with them and I've never understood how to, this kid is trying to speak for the NFL. Like mm -hmm. this is how the NFL should be run. What if they had a marketing initiative that was like, for the next three months, we want to capture this 
fashion industry because there's going to be a large overlap between Taylor Swift fans and you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? There's Mm -hmm. so many things that you don't know and you, and a lot of the times when you speak about things out of context, you're going to sound like an idiot in the long term. Yeah. So I've, I've, what I've really came down to as like a, someone who has a platform is I don't typically speak on things anymore at all, unless I have a really sharp, uh, understanding or comfortability with the the subject at hand yeah it's it's one of those where everyone is not thinking about you Mm -hmm. like everyone's always worried about themselves this is what that tweet kind of is you're not thinking what's best for the nfl you're thinking about what's best for the small creator which might be yourself that's yeah like that that kind of tweet just feels like a lack of understanding but also like an attempt to just like you know that this subject will hit a lot of people and people will be like, yeah, the younger creators, yeah, yeah, like the smaller yeah. creators, like yeah. everyone that's like rally around and fucking yell at the NFL. And it's like, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. Also from experience, like being involved in a creator program or any of this stuff, it, it rarely does anything for you. No. Like rarely, like, all right, you have field passes to the game. You're now viral. You're now going crazy. Like, no, your content's going to be, Pretty much the same. You might hit a football audience, but that person with 2 million subscribers is still probably going to get more viewership than you unless you come up with something really good. And guess what? If you come up with something really good, you probably don't need that field pass. And the NFL putting you in the 19th second of the reel is not, you're not getting following. What those situations will do for you if you are good at networking Mm -hmm. is you getting in, in, Yes. vicinity with the right people yeah. having a good conversation and then something can spurn from that yes. but like these one-off little hits of things that you mm-hmm. think will make you viral are just never it as a creator yeah for example uh we had you know we seed our punchline content to bigger media companies to hopefully get traction and the first tool that's ever been effective in doing this is like this collaboration on instagram right like a tag you'll maybe get like a few followers but collab like we we will see you know that, that was a gr- i love that, that, was that awesome. was a great tool. By that the was Instagram, great for them. For sure. So then I sent something to ESPN and they picked it up on, it was on like ESPN college football, ESPN college game day, like on Instagram, uh, LSU football account, all collabed on this. Yeah. And we were in parentheses, like via punchline podcast yeah. with Martin Humphrey. And I was like, we didn't get tagged or collab. We gained like four followers yeah. maybe from that. The last thing is tying this whole thing together to where you were saying creator into a creator product that really fits. And Friday Beers, which is a media company, just launched their actual light beer. So you could probably argue it's a few years uh, after they should have because like that stuff could have been done earlier. But at least they got there, finally got there. Another example of like... Do you know how long it took for them to do that? I don't know. Right. How do you know that that process didn't start two years ago? It might have. Probably did. But it's, it, from, from the marketing of it, and this is just the launch, it looks like it's just another light beer that they're going to use a lot of brand and name off of, sure. which isn't bad when your brand is literally Friday beers. So, yeah, I, I, I know the people who actually worked on it. I can ask them about it um, for next time. But in a positive, um, I think it's just like an awesome, like this is the dream and this is what we pitch all the time, which is create content and then build a product that fits into that content. And every single Friday, they like everyone who has a beer on Friday takes a picture, tags them, 
And now it's just going to be reposting. I think that, that's another one too, like making a product. Like there are a lot of ways to make products. The one I brought up earlier, like the title generator, I think like the software or the online e-product is perfect for an informational value mm -hmm. person who's teaching you stuff because the audience is like learning online. So therefore the tools online, whatever. I think when you're a brand that's built their value off of entertainment, that's where products are do really, really, really yeah. well. Whether it's merch or it's like a product that aligns with mm -hmm. what you're doing, that's a really good um, sync up right there. So yeah. if you're you're a brand building off of like comedy value through entertainment, physical products are a really, really good link, I think. Yeah. Another thing that they're going to be able to do now with this product is like throw events where typically mm -hmm. they like it's just they'll have free marketing in that like every person will be drinking Friday beer. So I'm really excited for it. I think it's gonna be cool. I don't know how much value their name brings. Like if you're in that demo and I were if I were walking through a store, I would buy Friday beers Over now. Like Miller Lite. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Cold Miller. Cold Miller does nothing for me. Um, I grew up on that stuff, so it, it you know, it hit, it sure. hit, it hit. I wonder, um, I'm actually kind of curious now though, like beer has to be as the least popular it's been in maybe ever. Mm. Yeah. I get what you're saying with like seltzers counting as a separate. Category. I can't name a, the, the last party I went to where the majority of people were drinking beer. Over I seltzer. can't name the last party I went to. So, right. so yeah. that's tough. I went to like four parties on Halloween night. And nobody was drinking beer. Yeah. No, people drink liquor right. or something. Like if I went, if you went to like a long, if you went to a party that like Friday beers was sponsoring, yeah. like you weren't allowed to drink anything but beer. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people would be like, fuck. They this. would pregame hard for <laughs> they sure. They would pregame hard. Yeah. No, I think like, like free people. Like tailgates, like, tailgates, mm, definitely a thing. Sure. Um, yeah. I think we probably straight up parties. Yes. Or like the, at the bar. Well, this is, this people is, drink beer though. Sure. A shit ton of This beer. is one of those things where I don't want, I don't care about numbers. I don't need yeah. to look at numbers to know that because my, uh, yeah. anecdotal experience is like everywhere I go, people are just drinking seltzers. Yeah. People are drinking seltzers. I, th I think it's just the, the split has happened, right? I don't think people are drinking less. They're definitely drinking more. Mm. A beer consumption for sure in the bigger cities is, has to be yeah, yeah, so yeah. far. I'm now. saying just alcohol years consumption. Ago. Yeah. Sure. We're all but depressed. I mean, it's fucking pitch black out. It's four 30. <laughs> Yeah, so Friday beers, I, I want to try one. And that's a, that's the last part is your product has to be good. So if that beer is not good, like that's what everyone always says about what's a Nelk's brand? Uh, Happy Dad. Happy Dad. I don't know if they pay the people to say it, but everyone I talk to is like, yeah. It's good. It's actually good. Yeah. Um, and that's important. I yeah. think same thing, High Noon. Uh, same thing with all the tequila brands that all the celebrities do. Like it, it has to be good. It's a light beer, so it shouldn't be that hard, but mm -hmm. we'll see. That's all I got, and I want to go get a uh, Friday beer now. We'll leave you at that every Monday. <laughs> Big content <laughs> at noon. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you join the free Discord if you want to ask us any questions or be featured in the next Q&A that we do. Uh, hit the button that looks like this if you enjoyed. Share this, more importantly, with any creators that you think can learn from this. Uh, we're always open. Our DMs are open to help you all out. All right, last thing. Hang. Speed. Rank these three on YouTube. What do you think is most important to the algorithm? Subscribe. Like, a new. this is a new viewer. They subscribe, they leave a like, or they leave a comment. I would say subscribe, like, comment. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Subscribe has to be a better indicator because I feel like YouTube is caught, caught up to the fact that, like, 
people just comment or it's like bots or people yeah. just like comment shit to, to do yeah. it. I feel like they've no, like I you know the answer to this. I no, I don't. And I, I would have always thought, I think subscribe one, but I would have always thought comment, but now I'm thinking it's like second. Yeah. So I think I'm aligned with you. Like, and the only reason why I think it's important is because people are often asking people to subscribe, but then leave a comment. Like we'll do stuff where we're trying to get comments, but often I feel like I want to see more likes. Yeah, I don't I don't know how much comments really do. Plus a like can never be interpreted by YouTube as a bad thing. Right. Whereas there might be like keywords in comments that YouTube's like not yeah. good. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, like maybe you can spam comments bots. Not, yeah, yeah. yeah. No one really spams likes. Yeah. It's impossible. I think. I don't know. Unless maybe the like farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all. Till next time. Hey.